0: Thank you for listening. My name is Joelle Taylor and this fourth podcast is a very special one. It's brought to you in collaboration between a collaboration between the Poetry Society, Poet in the City and Outspoken. We are now backstage at King's Place in London for the most anticipated poetry event of this year. We have with us Danes Smith who has written a fantastic, a fucking phenomenal collection called Don't Call Us Dead. Um, which is a kind of elegy, a requiem, a punch in the face, a call to arms, a call to open arms, and is redefining, perhaps, what we think about poetry. We also have with us in the studio Anthony Naxaguru, who is a poet, writer, broadcaster, and political activist.
1: Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dennis, um this isn't your first time in the UK, is it? No, it's not, no. I've been here a few, a few times. It's been a couple of
0: years, though. And you came over here. So your first volume was called Insert Boy. And mm-hmm. you toured that around the UK as well. Can you tell us something no,
1: about that? No, I did that? not. You didn't? Uh, no. Um, I came to the UK uh, with a, a couple times um, to go to Contact Theatre up in Manchester. Oh, yeah. Um, one, a couple times for their Contact from the World Festival and then a few times to come and do some solo work with them. But that was way before I even was thinking about having a book.
0: If you were to describe yourself as a poet, what kind of words would you use
1: um great uh, <laughs> uh um uh, black uh queer without mm-hmm. apology um fan uh, surreal um I don't know. I, I just feel there's like a, there's a, gay a, there's rapper a real who kind can't, of beauty no and
0: softness with the work as well. Yeah, I mean the way I've I'm described very motherly, it, I sounds think. really aggressive, and there's certainly a great deal of aggression in the book. But mm-hmm. there's a kind of it's a beautiful aggression. Hmm. There's something very necessary about it.
1: Yeah, I think. The, um, I think for me, work is. Um, any good poem is really about balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's sort of goes against um my intentions to sort of knock somebody around the head with only one emotion um so i, I always think about that balance that balance between uh sort of um ferocity and tenderness and how uh-huh. we can both hold um we can hold violence and also um dispel violence within sort of the same poem and in the uh-huh. same line
0: and don't call us dead is a very themed collection what are the themes within it
1: uh so there are two sort of threads um and don't call us dead um both following mortality one um, is thinking about police brutality mm-hmm. um, and the many ways in which America is dangerous to the black body. Um, and the other thread is thinking about um, HIV through my own diagnosis with HIV um, and sort of investigating that um, with, some, with some lead up, with some poems about queerness and. Um, I'm thinking about like how a black queer body might also be in danger to itself too, and then thinking about the uh-huh. sort of particulars between that and yeah, the the many ways, and it's just like my dire entries too. So. Yeah,
0: but. and it feels like a, a political tract, but po- political in its true form. And I want to open this up to Anthony as well. So if we're describing something as political poetry, what do you think we mean by that? Or what do you mean
1: by it? For me, I think we're talking about any poem. Um, I think uh, there is no such thing as being apolitical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I, uh, all work is political. I think you know I come from that school of thinking that the personal is always political and the political is personal to us. Um, so I don't really know what it means to write a poem that is not po- political. Yeah. I think the the question is about what what are the politics of any given poem that we're looking at.
0: Yeah I heard it described recently I did um, an interview on the radio they were describing um, two kinds of political poem and one is the slamming of a door hmm. which as a spoken word artist I've been doing for a long time so as yeah, a lot yeah. of doors been slamming and the other is the closing of a purse hmm. which is something that's kind of really resonated with me in the kind of direction I think that our poetry in the UK could be going and uh, Anthony what would you say to that
2: Yeah I just I think that it's different modes of conversation that operate within a poem and I think that's kind of what people get caught up about is talking about the overt political poem as Mm -hmm. opposed to the more nuanced and the more subtle And I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking that if a poem is loud, if a poem is direct in its approach, that it must be a political poem uh, or anti-establishment. Or if a poem is working on a more multifaceted level, then it kind of lends itself to more traditional forms. But there are some instances in life where nuance definitely does a disservice to poetry. And Mm -hmm. there are some things that need to be direct and they Mm -hmm. need to be addressed in that. And people want that. People go to a poetry reading a performance to feel empowered. I did a reading in front of an anti-Donald Trump rally. There were 30,000 people there. And I realized that the only reason why we're all here is to hear the same thing. And when people feel disempowered... There is power in coming together and hearing somebody say something quite reaffirming. To
0: create this kind of shared voice. But in the UK, I mean, in particular, over the last, I would say, five years, I've noticed a real change in the kind of aesthetics of the poetry and the way that we're addressing politics. And it feels like we're on a bridge. And for want of a better way of describing it, we're from a performance background. So I'm from a performance background. You are, and you are as well, Dan, as Mm -hmm. you... um, uh, won the Button Poetry Prize and you've done national slams as well but it feels at the moment that the, the the language that we use for performance is now meeting the language that we'd use that we'd just put within books within what we call page poetry do you agree with that? do you think it's a good thing?
1: Uh, the two, the two have no distinction to me. I think. Right. I think poets are poets, and we write poems. Um, I think it's about the poet to decide what avenues those uh, those poems are disseminated in. Um, it really, I think, yeah, I think it. I, I, I'm not interested in the language that sort of separates it. I think, at least for me, my first allegiance is the poem and mm-hmm. saying what the poem wants to say. I can worry about whether it's better said in the air or on the page. After that. Uh, But it's really just about trying to get the idea out. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, poems have multiple personalities and depending on the person who embodies the poem, they're able to give it a distinct character. And I think that if you write a poem that is quintessentially for the page, you need to see space to make, to kind of comprehend it, then that is something that is strictly for that experience. But then, like Danez was saying, you can have poems that have two qualities to them they can mm. have a quiet sound that they can have an acoustic element as well and i think that a good communicator of poetry is able to work in both and they're both skills they're independent skills
0: anthony would you read us something
2: this i've never read this i only wrote this a few days ago so i i don't know how it's going to be when it's finished but it's um from a collection called after the formalities that um I'm currently working on, uh, the poem's called I Kissed the Dead Man's Mouth in May. Uncle, it was like a weapon, war as tusk, but it wasn't dead enough yet, was it, uncle? Remember, when water knelt before us and you asked me to count the doves you blew into the blue? That day, uncle, a small boat in water Both our shadows marooned, craving sand, breathing talcum, whole spikes in our lungs. Uncle, why winter then? Why the throat first? What happened to our throats? When did May become so sad? The help empty-handed leaving both of us sharing ghosts. Remember the boy uncle who kissed the dead man's mouth in May because he couldn't reach his eyes in time. Funny, how many apologies fill a skull? My uncle, it's been years since I I lifted your death from out the water. Black baptism, said those white words to your wife. Dead uncle, uncle's dead. My uncle died, he's dead. Let me hold you one last time, uncle, and try to get the letting go right. I can't get it wrong anymore. Not this time. Time left, uncle, returning me each day to the moment when the sea made more sea from him. His eyes still open in me, and he had never died. You have never died, not in any May, not with my mouth still on yours. And perhaps my life wasn't solid enough to breathe you back in, back up. So what do I do now with all this May, this spinning, slipping through your... Your hand still in mine, your mouth chewing its last meal, the taste of bread. I'm still tasting bread, soft as the steam that leaves horses, the last sea hole where he sunk from there. Where did you end up? What world did you find gentler than this? I'm in the future now, uncle, with your T-shirt still in its spring, a leather sandal floating towards your body. Its heart so almost here.
1: Mm.
0: I want to bring us back again to the idea of poetry as um, activism or art as activism. And I've brought into the studios um, two other poets and activists who are going to be performing alongside and reading alongside Dennis Smith tonight. So I'd like to welcome Imani Robinson, who writes poetry, facilitates workshops, discussions, is an activist, channels work through UK Black Lives Matter. And um, sorry if you're feeling uncomfortable that's I mean, not me saying that, that's the name of the organization and also poet Jay Bernard who's uh, published three pamphlets and is about to release a new collection on Chateau Windows welcome to the studios um, So Imani, can I ask you what you feel the role of poetry within change is
3: um. I mean, I think that poets and writers generally and people who um, kind of articulate themselves in creative ways um, are generally attentive to the world around them Mm. um, and how that kind of translates into affect and how they're feeling, right? Um, And so it's really about, or or for me anyway, in the kind of communities that I'm involved in, it's about expressing um, the kinds of affect um, that need to be um, kind of attended to and and the kinds of change that need to happen in order in order for us to live our kind of fullest Mm -hmm. um, and kind of lives of, of more potential yeah. Um, and so I think there's a kind of long tradition especially within the black and queer communities or particularly there's a kind of um, carved out tradition of using poetry of using art um, to bring about change to inspire yes. people but also to to heal and to articulate ourselves.
0: Yeah and do you think it's important that that stuff is is um, kind of uncensored in the sense that somebody can get on a stage and speak it and it's not going through kind of gatekeepers of editors and publishers or...
3: Um, I mean, absolutely. But I also think, um, you know, providing that space where people can express themselves freely is, is really important. But I also think it's kind of a first to um, pretend that, um, you know... Publishers and um, access is the only kind of gatekeeping that happens. Um, we, I think that we're in a in a place where we are trying to facilitate, or at least I am, um, what it means to articulate myself and mm. how I'm how I'm kind of um, being a gatekeeper to my own articulation and my own expression, yeah. um, and allowing other people to do that kind of finding new ways to communicate with each other yeah. about what we actually. You know, I mean. and
0: it's a really important kind of document as well in terms of the history of various movements and I want to bring Jay Bernard into the discussion here because Jay you wrote after much research at the uh, George Padmore pa- Institute thank you so much at the George Padmore Institute you wrote a series of poems called Surge and I saw you read from them when we were up at, in Hull doing the gig there and it's an incredibly powerful piece of work can you explain what it's
4: about? Well, when I was at the George Padmore Institute uh, in 2016, I was doing a residency and I was quite drawn to the New Cross Fire, which took place in 1981. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially, the story goes, uh, a party of basically West Indian kids, um, 16th birthday party, and about four or five o'clock in the morning, a fire breaks out. Mm. And nobody knows why. To this day, no one knows quite what happened there. Um, 13 kids died um, and in the aftermath of the fire there was no response whatsoever from the state, the media, Mm -hmm. the press, everyone was silent so a group of activists um, got together calling themselves the New Cross Massacre Action Committee Mm -hmm. and they basically caused a fuss about it um, and they had several botched inquests. Um, they tried to kind of investigate they did their own interviews um, yeah. with the, the the survivors and the family members obviously end up with two conflicting stories um and then that culminated in a, in a in a huge um sort of protest really um called black people's day of action um, which happened in march and the new crossfire like kind of changed black history kind of it yeah. j- kind of changed the direction of black politics in this country because it was a mobilization the likes of which, hadn't really been seen before, like there was the Battle of Lewisham and other events, but, but the, 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 the Black People's Day of Action was like so immense and so angry yeah. um, and so true, mm. like the criticisms they were making, um, that the state could no longer ignore it. So um, yeah, that's what I've kind of been working But the on.
0: silence <laughs> around black deaths is still very much now, isn't it? I mean, you the Grenfell, for example, Grenfell is, is a kind of slightly different thing because it's about working class culture. That was a tower block that um, burned yeah. down and it was, yeah. Um,
4: can you see parallels at the moment? Where else do you see this? I mean, when I when I when I woke up and I started reading about Grenfell, I was like, yeah. okay, like I'm gonna set myself a challenge. I'm gonna see if if I can learn anything, like or if I can predict anything about Grandfall via via my work with the New Crossfire. And sure enough, um, like the first thing that the police did with the New Crossfire was blame the people inside the inside the inside the house. So yeah. the first thing he did was say, oh, there's a fight that broke out and that's what caused the fire. Same thing with Grenfell. The first thing that the papers did was blame the old black man whose fridge apparently mm-hmm. was, you know, faulty and that caused the fire. They did not look at the fire standards. They did not look at the cladding first. They blamed somebody in the house, put his face all over the paper. Um, so th- that was just, that's just like one example of a kind of parallel where it's, you know, I think we, we often think about like black deaths in terms of like, for example, police shootings and things like this. Yeah. I think here in the UK, what we have is a very insidious, Mm. way of avoiding looking at how these class dynamics means blame mm. can be kind of like shifted and placed in in very subtle and i think very like insidious ways
0: yes exactly um so guys i want you to open up and just have a little discussion with yourselves if we are able to do that at the moment just about what kind of way you think your poetry um what directions it can go in at the moment that can implement change is change something that's on your mind when you're writing it or as you having
2: a pure poetic moment. No, no, I don't think a change is having. I don't think change is an immediate thing. I think it's gradual. Mm. I think it takes a moment. Um, it takes a series of events or sequence of revelations for people to understand. I think art acts as a catalyst towards that experience. It yeah. can help refract certain things it can help kind of synthesize experiences and put them into a particular way that's visceral and emotive i don't think artists have the responsibility and the obligation to be agents of strict change i think that they're part of a wider conversation global consciousness i think that's kind of where uh, that's how i see it Mm. anyway
1: i think change is on my mind um and in two different ways so I think you were were saying earlier this example of like uh, art being or political poems or art being able to be this like slamming of a door Mm. Um, right and I think yeah you're right Uh, spoken word artists were very very good at that Um, but I don't don't think the opposite is the shutting of a purse I think about it as the opening of a window Um, and I think that is sort of what's on I think and I think I operate in both of those ways where I'm very much slamming doors and you know telling people hey this is fucked up let's look at all the ways that it's fucked up and let me tell you why it's fucked up some more Uh, but also also, um, trying to call into existence um, something better, mm-hmm. um, something possible. And I think that is what art gives our readers and the people that engage with our work the ability to do, is to imagine um, something better. It is not like sort of, yes, yeah, changes is incremental. happens over time. It happens to policy. Um, it happens through violence. It happens through a lot of ways. Um, but I think... You know, you have to, you have to, I think as artists, we are um, the architects of people's possibility and their imaginations. And so even if it's not changed right now, I don't write a poem thinking that just because I put the final period on it and hit, you know, save, that it's going to change the world right then. But But it is about, you know, who is going to find this poem, you know, next week, in a couple months, in a couple years, in a couple decades, and who and what thought will it make possible mm. in their mind so that they can actually go out and effect change.
2: And adding to what they already have.
1: Yeah. Them, you know, yeah, and I are. think you know, as artists, we give people the like sort of imaginative material to yeah. go and make practical yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a it's an intimate experience as much as a mass public one. I also think it's about
4: documenting change, so yeah. looking mm. back and seeing how things have changed.
3: I'd also say I kind of. You know, when I'm when I'm writing things, I don't necessarily. I'm not thinking about change, but mm-hmm. I think about it all the rest of the time. and think about kind of what needs to change or how it could possibly change or why it isn't changing. And so, um, I think probably kind of in thinking about w- w- what's on my mind when I'm writing, it's it's kind of a. Um, about feeling and about what yeah. I, what what that change makes me feel like, uh-huh. or what what I am feeling and what and what I would like to change about that, mm-hmm. um, rather than kind of the abstract idea of change, yeah, um, which is actually kind of you're quite, quite direct. Like, organizing work,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I isn't
1: think? that the, what we're also trying to give our readers? Right, like I think like if you. I think if you're a visual artist, if somebody feels the exact same way after they look at your piece as when they were not looking at it, they were looking at a yes. blank wall, you've done shit work. Yeah, um, and, I think, and I think the same, same is true for a poem. You know, I never like I, I never want to feel the same way exiting a poem as I did entering it. And I think that is a yeah. real possible kind of change too, right? Even yes. just to like pull emotion to like spark a feeling in somebody. Yeah, exactly. That is what change is really about too. If we what about this,
2: this 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 Thing about reaffirmation. I know a lot of people go to art because they want things reaffirmed mm-hmm. through an art piece. So you go I'm there, remembering, right? As you well. go there with your point of view. You go there with your politics and with your opinion. And what the and what that art does mm-hmm. is it reinforces it through some shape or form, be it through language, be it through dance, be it through music. So you go there wanting to agree with something. So not every your mind's being changed, it's just being fortified in some shape or form. That could also be one of the functions of the thing.
3: I also think it's really interesting, you know, what it feels like to reread poems or re see a piece of art and, mm. and think and think very differently about it. You know, like people wouldn't buy poetry if they didn't want to re- reread it and reread it again or go yeah. and see the same poet because we evolve, right? And the poetry kind of evolves with us or the art evolves with us and we're allowed to, I guess, see or feel things differently as as we grow. Um, but maybe that's maybe oh. that's not everyone's experience.
4: No, completely. Yeah, I was I think in response to you actually Anthony, like um That's a really interesting position uh, because I think I would always come at art and writing with the, you know what? Like it's not necessarily a political thing. It's not necessarily a a belief or anything that I want to be changed, but a kind of like way of being. If you know what I mean, like Mm. looking at someone else's work, Mm. and it's not that they're like trying to change my mind about politics or how to vote or anything like that, but they just give me another way of being and that's what i'm always craving actually
1: yeah and i think that's about even not about us as writers but as like people who take in art and writing um how we can challenge ourselves because i think I, I i for a long time you know i can go to i know the poets i must go to when i want to feel possible mm. you know when i want to be seen when i need to see my experience reverberated. but we're have to challenge it's the police but where i have to challenge myself um as a reader is to make sure that i'm going to different perspectives, to make sure that i'm going to work to be surprised um and if i'm only going to know that like you know that i that i am what i am um and not what i could be then i think i'm failing myself as a person who is a fan of art
2: mm. but then do you think with if we were to think about the surprise which is something that i obviously crave from poetry mm. like when i read your book and it was the themes have been written about a lot of times before it's the approach into the theme that Mm. makes it unique but there is there are some people who don't want that so there's people that watch x factor and say this is new music it's not it's regurgitated Mm. and there is some poetry that you could argue does not offer surprise it offers something that has already been pre-established
0: yes
4: jay would you read us something next please Going in when the firefighters left was like standing on a black beach, with the sea suspended in the walls. Soot suds like a conglomerate of flies. You kick the weeds and try to piece it back. Fractured shell. A bone. Bloated antennae. Flesh thigh spindle gangrenous pet fish. Waterwork in bad weather. An eye or a tiny glaring stone. A seal's tongue or the sourer sinew yoking front and hind fin. Vertebrae or fetters, bedsheet, or slave skin. The black is coming in from the cold, rolling up the beach walls, looking for light. It will enter you if you stand there and spend the rest of its time inside you, asking what it was, what it was, what it was, in a vivid hiss heard only by your bones.
0: Mm. Stunning.
4: Stunning thing about the New Cross fire for me is that it it was a moment of mourning that was extremely public and extremely Mm. outraged, but also extremely tender. Like, if you walk around New Cross, there are so many sort of little signs now. Yeah, There's a plaque on the house um, where it happened. And if you go to the park, um, there's, like, a stone that you can sit in front of with all the names listed. And there's a church that has, like, a window. And it's all Mm. really subtle, actually. Um, It's all very kind of on this, like... Like it's, it's not a kind of big sort of like um, in your face kind of history at all. It's something you actually have to kind of look for. And there's something incredibly potent about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something incredibly sort of-
0: It actually, one of the things about the book is it, it feels to me like it's it's a time of great grief in the world at the moment. We've had so many shocks hmm. and surprises over the last couple of years. So would you agree with that, Imani? Um,
3: yes and no. Um. In, in a lot of ways I feel like the disaster and the big shock has mm. kind of already happened okay. and this is, it is more like the aftermath of kind of a set of circumstances that will just reproduce this suffering, that will just reproduce this grief um, and particularly speaking about kind of black lives and, and, and queerness um, yeah I mean it, it, this kind of um, shock or this kind of grief that we kind of publicly or kind of Popularly having at the moment, yeah. um, it's not the same for everybody, and it's not mm. um, it's not necessarily a new thing for, mm-hmm. for, for many black people, mm. um, and you know, so so it's kind of feeling kind of shocked about it but also almost being gaslighted by yourself that we know this happens. Yeah. Um, you know, why are you upset about that? Or kind of struggling with this kind of feeling grief about something that you knew was gonna happen, that you could yeah. predict would happen. In the same you're talking about this predicting what yeah. will happen with Grenfell, um, yeah. which is kind of, you know, where I grew up and so I haven't I've kind of struggled with going back yeah. there. Because I know that I'll feel all of those things that I'm feeling anyway. Um, but kind of being reckoned with it is, is is really difficult.
4: I think there's something really powerful about the fact that it's silent marches every month. Absolutely. I don't know if anyone's been on them, but they yeah. are, yeah. yeah, they're incredibly... Profound. Profound. Yeah. So,
0: Danes, would you read us something of your choice from the book?
1: Um, so this is um, Dream Where Every Black Person Is Standing By The Ocean. Mm. And we say to her... What have you done with our kin you swallowed? And she says, that was ages ago. You drunk them by now. And we don't understand. And then one woman, skin dark as all of us, walks to the water's lip, shouts Emmett, spits, and surely a boy begins crawling his way to shore. <laughs> Poof! I'm sorry, didn't mean to fuck you up like that. <laughs> <laughs>